Welcome to Executives at the Edge, a podcast brought to you by MEF. I'm your host, Pascal Venezes. Join me as we explore thought-provoking perspectives from the leaders and changemakers who are propelling enterprise digital transformation forward. Well, in this episode, I'm so delighted to have Sunil Kundakar. He's the former CEO from Nuage and actually the founder and CEO of Nuage. And I'm really excited because Sunil and I go way back. He's an incredible person, great luminary industry. And welcome, Sunil, to Executives at the Edge. Thank you, Pascal. Glad to be here with you. Thank you also for inviting me to be on the Technical Advisory Board of MEF. We go way back, as you said, and I've been a big supporter of MEF since it started back in 2001. So I'm excited to be back to help further MEF's strategic initiatives. Well, you're one of the key contributors at the very beginning, so it's very important. But more importantly, can you tell us our audience a little bit about your background? Because I know you have an extensive background and very impressive too. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm a product leader with 25 plus years of experience in telecom and networking. I've been fortunate to have been involved twice in my career in the building of high-value growth businesses from vision to customer adoption. First, with Timetra, as one of the first employees, which through acquisitions became part of Alcatel Lucent, where I did various product and business leadership roles, including an international assignment in Europe. And second, with Nuage Networks, where I founded and led Nuage and made it a leader in software-defined networking. So you've been involved in the enterprise network services for 20 plus years. So what do you see the difference about SD-WAN? I mean, coming from Nuage, founding and all, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, so SD-WAN is the first modern business service that emerged completely outside of uh, the standards bodies. Um, and SDN as a networking concept was not part of IEEE or ITF, but was born more from uh, the user need um, for virtualized networking uh, that could match the speed and agility of virtualized compute. Um, SD-WAN is the use case of the SDN concepts, therefore has little to no sort of standards foundation, uh, unlike VPLS or IPVPN, which you know, we both co-authored VPLS, uh, that came from the standards bodies. Right. So, so basically this move to software-defined networking came from a change in methodology around networks, a shift from the bottom up to the top down. So as a pioneer in SD-WAN, can you talk us through that shift and what attracted you to be the first to market with software-defined networks? Absolutely. Um, look, there is a ton of talk in the industry, and for good reason, uh, about automation uh, and how important that is. The fact is that the entire idea of SDN uh, framework was about automation, and that was over 10 years ago when, right. when we started. Uh, and at the time, we recognized that while bare metal servers and virtual machines were growing rapidly in the data centers, um, and while the instantiation of compute was automated, networking was lagging behind. Uh, it was still very much bottoms up, manual, device by device configuration, and that would be unsustainable. And so our thesis using SDN framework was to automate networking by providing attraction of network capabilities and automating the network provisioning. Um, and 
we did that using an intelligent intent-based policy engine. Mm. Um, now, the first beachhead for SDN was the data center as a result. Um, but that was only part of the greater equation because it resolved the application of the IT workload, um, but it didn't do anything for the application user that was sitting remote in some branch. And so right from the beginning, um, and by the way, that's how SD-WAN emerged. And so in the early days of Nuage, well before SD-WAN existed, we were working on this problem. And our guiding principle was end-to-end um, -end network automation for the data center and beyond. Yeah, I remember that. I remember reading that. Yeah, and, and being a strong, um, ha having a strong VPLS and MPLS heritage, um, our thoughts were that we wanted to do a software-defined VPN, and we in fact called it SDVPN at the time because okay. the industry hadn't quite coined the term SDVAN. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been incredible in terms of the entire journey and bringing that sort of automation to the data center as well as the wide area. Yeah. So. Tell us more about that transition. What, what, what is SD-WAN in essence that has become so predominant now going pervasively everywhere? Can just help our audience, like what is SD-WAN's true value in essence business-wise besides technical? And maybe if you have to drive into the technically how it drives it. Yeah, so at, at, at the very top, SD-WAN is all about connecting users to their applications, wherever they might be users anywhere to the applications in any cloud and connect them securely over any underlay, quickly, fully automated in a self-service manner. That's the whole essence of SD-WAN. Now, how does that get delivered over, you know, whether it's lease lines, it's IPMPLS, it's internet, and how vendors with their solutions provide the capability of making it secure, making it reliable, using different uh, sort of underlays, all that complexity is certainly there. And the job of a good solution is to hide that complexity from the business um, user that is consuming it as a VPN for secure communications. Mm -hmm. But what about the centralized policy? Doesn't it also play a very important role? 100%. And so the whole idea of abstracting the network capabilities in order to automate network provisioning is indeed, the magic is in this intent-based declarative policy engine. And that was the essence uh, and the biggest IP of Nuage was in how we built that. Uh, in understanding that when, whether it was a workload in any data center or any cloud, or whether it was a branch user anywhere, as they came up, and as that communication happened, the job of our solution was to recognize that, authenticate, authorize, give it an IP address based on this high-level policy constructs that were defined in, uh, in, in the policy engine that said, allow a finance user to uh, only access financial applications or allow only HR to have access to HR applications. Those high-level constructs were then resolved into specific IP addresses after they were authenticated. ACLs were downloaded once the IP address was resolved, and the communication just flowed freely after mm -hmm. that. Interesting. So going from ACLs and static ACLs to this dynamic model based upon identity, 
That's what you're talking about. Indeed. Cool. And, and imagine, the, and that's where the automation is. And, and the, imagine the simplification of operations yeah. as, a, as a result. Yeah, which is very complex and fast. Yeah. Um, what about the idea that also SD-WAN gives you traffic steering over the underlays, which looking at, puts a bunch of overlays on top of underlays and then traffic steers to the application's performance objective and take the best overlay path, depending on what the underlay is doing, right? Isn't that another key aspect of SD-WAN? It certainly is. And, and that came from, you know, the, 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 fam- the popular term used is cut through the underlay and break out to the underlay. And, and the idea is that when a majority of traffic over time is gonna just go to the clouds, many clouds, uh, application clouds, if that's happening, then you're cutting through the underlay, you're not going to a centralized location and then steering that into and to go into a cloud. Then the aspect of how do you select the best underlay? for the SLA that needs to be delivered for that application right. to that end user. How do you measure it end to end? How do you consistently then steer it intelligently without any interruption in the traffic yeah. to another underlay if that underlay degrades that you've selected in the first place? And so incredible amount of, again, uh, complexity uh, to deliver that, but ultimately what the user gets uh, and the cons- consumer of that VPN gets or SD-WAN gets is a superb service experience. Yeah, basically a, a, a just a great experience that always works if you've done it right. That's right. And, and really the algorithm to traffic steer and have the heuristics and, and so on and the ability to, you know, anyways, it's, 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 it's a quite amazing. It's, it's been 10 years in the makings, but we're, everybody's realizing the value of this because I think people were just buying underlays and like, okay, well, give me the, the SLA on that underlay, but you can never really measure it. And if it went away, then you're just uh, too bad for you. But um, how do you how do you think about everything's encrypted in traffic? How do, how do you see this classification? How do you classify applications if everything looks like you know HTTPS? Yeah, I know. Great question. And look, I think you have to rely on heuristics. Yeah, um, and you have to rely on some of the known. Uh, sort of destination IPs. Um, so th- it's a combination of heuristics. It's a combination of well-known published, for example, Microsoft on a regular basis publishes the all the IP addresses of all their services. Oh, and, and, and I know, that's good, I never thought about that. And, and so you have those, you have the heuristics, and you put that together to understand where the traffic is going. And based on that, then you start to steer and apply all the intelligence. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, you know, someone said, I think it was Dave Larson on the panel yesterday, you, no one's going to let you be a middleman in the bot, middleman in the middle, and de-encrypt and re-encrypt. That just, that'll happen within the enterprise's own network, but it won't, right. they won't allow that anywhere outside of their network. 100%. Yeah. And I was like, yes, that, that is completely true. And I think when people have this middle box, idea where you can de-encrypt and encrypt. I know our MEF 88 spec says that. I'm like, I told him, I don't think anybody's going to let you do that. So anyways, yeah. that's, that's the side point. But look, standards like the framework from MEF is pushing helps the interworking and setting a common language that both enterprises and service providers can be used to build and explain their services. How do you think this works? This work has improved the update uptake of SD-WAN and what areas do you think we should focus on in the future? Right. So 
Look, I'm, as I said earlier, I'm really glad to have been invited to be part of MEF because I was very much involved right from the beginning. And MEF has become the premier voice for enterprise and service providers in the standards bodies. Um, furthermore, MEF, and in the context of SD-BAN specifically, and furthermore, MEF certifying both the vendors and the service providers has given SD-BAN a foundation that the enterprises can use to evaluate um, and build the VAN services on, um, on how the standards are defined. Um, but that's just the beginning. Because as the wide area network evolves and as what we discussed yesterday at length uh, in the panel as well as our TAB meeting, um, it's, the traffic is going from branch to branch, branch to the cloud, and it's more and more spread out as a result, the need for security in all these communications is even more important. And so the networking and security are getting so intertwined together. And what we have seen again is the absence of standards bodies uh, in having a voice to drive these conversations and, and have some independence in defining these standards um, with input from enterprises, the users, with input from the vendors that are solution providers, with input from service providers that are going to build a managed service around it. And so if we let, if we don't lead this, and hence I think it, the urgency is for MEF to lead this standardization because the vacuum will be filled by industry analysts and consultants. Uh, and there is nothing wrong with that, but the fact is that it doesn't really represent the majority view and an independent view. Uh, and so I think to remove this confusion uh, around what the market is and how to achieve consistencies both in language and functionality, it is important for MEF to really take the leading role in standardizing these. And uh, what I mean by these is the SASE and the SSC that have emerged as terms um, but well, with they're, no just clarity, yeah. they're, just yeah. they're just labels. They're just labels. They're just proving to be distractions. Yeah. Well, be, well, it's it's a label with an abstract idea, but no one understands the details to it. No. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you're you're very correct. But there is an idea that if I go take this label or this contract and define my own, I'm going to have competitive advantage. I've I've started to see. You know, I, I agree with you, by the way, in the standards, obviously, and I think it benefits everybody. Right. But there's also the it's counterintuitive that if I selfishly go and build my own version of SASE, you know, and we've seen this with SD-WAN, then I'm going to be competitive, have a competitive differentiation that I can go winning in the market. But at the end of the day, I personally think, and I love your thoughts on it, I think it's, it's counterintuitive because really what you want to do is you want to get to a baseline standard, create a massive market, and then differentiate your top on top. 100%. Um, look, you've seen this happen before. Um, we did this successfully by defining VPLS, VLLs, IPVPNs. That set, as you said, the base functionality, the base standard. But that's not, some people view that as least common denominator. And my God, everybody is going to be the same. How do we differentiate? That's right. But that didn't prevent us in Timetra and then later in Alcatel-Lucent to differentiate our service routers in the industry. That's right. And, and that's exactly the way to approach SASE and SSE. Let's have a common definition, common standardization, and then build on top your differentiation. 
Yeah, and so I think when markets are confused, I know when I'm confused, I don't buy anything. <laughs> and my wife says I'm confused a lot. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> but anyways, the, the point is that when the market's confused, people don't buy. They just, That's right. and they can't compare apples to apples. Then they're like, well, I don't get what you're saying. and I'm not sure. And, and it, it, everything just starts kind of stalling. And I think, you know, it, it, the market could be so much bigger if there's just a baseline common understanding what an apples to apples look like so I can talk that language. That's right. And then you can say, well, you know, on top of that, I have this extra feature and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's the way to differentiate. So I think we're on the same page. And certainly in MEF, we, you know, we're standardizing SAS, standard SD-WAN, we're standardizing SAS and zero trust. And that's about to come out very, very shortly here right. in the next few months. So uh, stay tuned for all our audience. So look, MEF needs to be a strong voice for our enterprise and service provider members as the enterprise cloud networking space evolves. What do you think we should do to achieve this? Yeah, as we just discussed, we just need to, as MEF, we just need to inject our collective voice back into the market and set the stone for the standards um, in both the interworking and the language that the global markets use. And once we do that, these distractions as a result of the labels will go away um, and, and the confusion will dissipate. Uh, and what that will do is it'll allow for the enterprises to be able to consistently, you know, look at, measure, and compare services that are being offered to them uh, and understand what they're getting for what they're buying. Right. I also think one of the things that MEF offers, though, if I don't mind uh, chiming in, is what you just said is absolutely true. But then the certification aspect also gives a confidence to the buyer that it's not the vendor or the managed provider that you know, tested it. It's some third party that tested it that has validated that this actually will work. And I think that's another confidence because I know when I buy stuff from a consumer level, and you, know, you see this money in other industries, the Bluetooth industry, the Wi-Fi industry, they go out, they test, they give a logo certified. Right. And then people buy it, buy it with confidence, knowing that it's going to plug in, it's going to work. I, I don't have to test it myself. Right. Exactly. And I think right. that's another big value that MEF brings. And it's been proven out with Care Ethernet. It's right. been proven out with, with SD WAN. We've done it. And I think SAS is your trust, also needs a certification. It's, it's a much more complex problem because we don't really know how to certify you know, cybersecurity in a way that gives a confidence level because that's really what it should do, and try to do that in a consistent everyday moment time, because I can do it one time right there and say, oh, it worked right then, but that's not how life is. It's gonna keep you know, evolving and you know, attacks keep changing and, and so on. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting. We're still grappling through what does SASE and Zero Trust certification look like, but uh, I'm sure we'll get there. We have smart people. Yeah, no, absolutely. I resonate with everything that you just said. Certification, especially a third-party certification, Super important, um, but in terms of the challenges you just articulated with SASE and SSC certification, I, I agree with it. But it's it's you know it's everything like everything else. It's brick by brick, <laughs> brick by uh, brick. It's yeah. Look, hey Sunil, it's absolute pleasure having you here in in our executive at the edge, and you know we've gone we've been working together way way a long time ago, and it's great to work with you again now. And uh, what's the future hold for you? Likewise, look, I, you know, it's uh, right now, as, as you know, I exited Nuage at the end of last year. Um, I'm 
taking um, some time. Um, Well-deserved time. Thank you. Yes, indeed. And and but at the same time, I'm involved. Uh, I'm mentoring a few startups. That's great. Uh, and um, it's also time to give back a little bit. So uh, I'm excited to do that with MEF as well as with the startups. Love it. Love it. Well, Sonal, thank you so much for taking your time. Thank you, Pascal.